a holistic approach to marketing that preserves your creative energy and considers your own energy level, your skill set, and what just feels good to you. This is Don't Rush Me. Hey, I'm Maria Spear Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life, hello music school and law school, but none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little easier. So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. Raise your hand, and I'm raising my hand already, if you've ever felt like, ooh, I really need to do a membership, or ooh, I need to create a course, even if it's a mini course, because that's a good way to bring in money, or everyone's on TikTok and I need to get on TikTok before it's too late. It's that kind of before it's too late feeling that just makes you mm, like tighten all your muscles and clench your jaw and clench your fists, and it's not an ease-filled way to approach marketing. My guest today, Macy Westcott, is all about a holistic approach to marketing. And instead of looking at marketing linked only to the end result, linking it only to sales, looking at it through the lens of, okay, what feels good to you? What feels most aligned for you? Maybe you hate being on video. Maybe TikTok is your jam. Maybe you hate the idea of writing a weekly blog post. Maybe writing is second nature to you. Whatever it is, the end goal isn't just sales, but it's it's the goal is finding the process and finding the things that grow your business, grow your list, grow your income, but don't completely drain you and feel like, ugh, I have to record three videos today or, or go against what feels natural and creative and fun to you. Here's a little bit more about Macy. Macy is a business strategist, copywriter, and creator of Write Your Own Copy. She's known for transforming words into cash through solid offer development, brand distinction, and audience connection. With a soft spot for emerging women entrepreneurs, her clients have big ideas that are changing their industries and the world. She helps these pathmakers design profitable offers using audience-focused marketing techniques and copy that sells these effective solutions with authenticity and ease. She's anti-hustle. She's a cold brew aficionado. Her strengths are strategic, activator, individualization, ideation, and communication. And just like me, she's an Enneagram 2 and an INFJ. But before we get into our conversation with Macy, here's your holistic somatic history lesson on the Petoskey Stone. The Petoskey Stone is a unique and iconic fossilized coral found in the northern part of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, particularly in the area around the city of Petoskey. The stone has a distinctive pattern that looks like a honeycomb hexagon, which is created by the fossilized remains of coral polyps. Approximately 350 million years ago, Michigan was covered by a warm, shallow sea, and during this time, coral reefs flourished, and the remains of these coral reefs 
eventually fossilized, forming the Petoskey Stone. Indigenous peoples, of course, in the region were the first to discover and appreciate the Petoskey Stone, but as it gained wider recognition in the late 19th century, European settlers and tourists started collecting and polishing these fossils for their unique appearance. In terms of spirituality, there are those who ascribe spiritual properties to the Petoskey Stone. Some believe that the stone carries positive energy, promoting healing and harmony. Additionally, the unique hexagonal pattern is thought by some to symbolize balance and interconnectedness. I hope you enjoyed that history lesson. Now listen in for my conversation with Macy Westcott, business strategist, copywriter, and holistic marketing expert. Macy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you here. And also, we are both INFJs and we are both Enneagram 2s. <laughs> wow, those are rare, aren't they? I feel like INFJ is rare. Yes, I, you know, I, I, my sister and I joke because I'm INFJ and she's ENFJ and it, it just mm -hmm. totally makes sense. Like the introvert versus extrovert piece, but, um, yeah, isn't that interesting? That and we're both helpers, mm -hmm. which yep. actually really makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would love to hear kind of, I, I am familiar myself, but for the listeners to hear kind of the work that you do in this world and really how you got started doing this type of work. Yeah. So I am a marketing strategist and copywriter. I work with creative entrepreneurs, coaches, and online service providers, and I help them with their messaging. Um, I started out, well, I started out doing all kinds of things. I went from corporate marketing <laughs> to kind of, <laughs> I went from corporate marketing to um, working as kind of like the right hand for a woman in her tech startup. And I did this because even in my like early thirties, I was getting really burned out on corporate life. And even though working from home was not yet a normal thing that people were doing, I felt like that was the movement that there was going to be chances for that to happen. And I knew that I wanted to have a family and I wanted to find a way to Stay at home with my kids. I'm saying that in quotation marks, <laughs> but also I knew that I wanted to have some kind of a career or an income. So even before I was married with having kids, I was already like paving the way to potentially do something where I'd have autonomy over my schedule and my workplace. So um, I started working as the kind of marketing person for a woman who had a tech startup and I learned everything on the job. Um, I didn't know some of the things that online entrepreneurs need because I've been working at a corporate level with marketing. So even though there was sales funnels and stuff in the things that we were doing, we weren't calling them that. There was like different terminology I had to learn and squeeze page and <laughs> different approach to email marketing that was really happening and kind of being developed on a scale of, um, kind of smaller up and coming entrepreneurs versus what we were doing in corporate was kind of dated and old. Um, I also in my corporate marketing life was bored because even though a lot of times you were told they wanted innovation and they wanted ideas, when it came time to actually do that and implement it, suddenly there was no budget and there was no time. And I just got bored doing the same old thing. And so when I discovered this whole world of these online entrepreneurs and thought leaders and 
things like that. I'm like, this is where I need to be because this is the future. At least for me, this is the future. So I really started kind of building funnels for people, doing kind of like jack of all trades, almost tech VA type stuff. And I got really burned out from that because when you're setting up funnels for people and you're working on the tech side, everything's an emergency. And during a launch, if something gets disconnected or there's a glitch or a platform goes down, that's completely out of out of your control. control. Uh huh. It's still somehow your responsibility. And my big aha moment was I was sitting in Colorado for my brother's wedding, like the day of his wedding, trying to connect something for someone with some code and teachable. And I'm like, I never want to be in this position again, where I am kind of on back at back at someone's back and call and don't have complete control. The whole reason I'm doing this is to have autonomy and be able to be with my family and stuff. So that's when I decided to lean in more to copywriting because I felt like there's never a copywriting emergency. <laughs> right. Although maybe now <laughs> I might beg to differ with that. But like at the time I was like the one thing that I can like really control the schedule on is copy. And so I really leaned into that. But then it kind of came full circle because as I was writing people's sales pages and email campaigns, I was finding ways that their offers could be better or I was helping them streamline the system, their sales systems that were their funnels. And it, it somewhat came full circle. Although I still don't do any of the tech stuff, I'm calling myself a strategist because that puts me in the space of here's me giving you the big picture. I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. And then the implementation comes from you. So that was a huge turning point in my business. Um, and that's where I am now is I provide marketing strategy and I still do copywriting too. It's fun and I can't seem to let go of it <laughs> no matter how much more into the strategy world I get. Copywriting is such a cool, I mean, I, I work with words too, just in a very different way. And it's just like mm -hmm. every, how every word or sentence can be like, can lead somewhere. It's very mm -hmm. interesting to me. Yeah. So I went and studied copy specifically when I decided I wanted to go all in as a copywriter although I had been doing it for clients in various capacities for a very long time, I'd had no formal training, which you really don't need formal training to call yourself a copywriter and to be a good copywriter. You should probably have studied copy, which I had done. I like read some books and everything, but I ended up going to copy hackers, copy school because I wanted to be a conversion copywriter. And that is someone who writes specifically a uh, copy that can be measured. And kind of the nerd in me needed to have that because when I ever thought of myself as a writer, I always thought, how will I know if it's any good? Like, how do you know if your writing is good? Well, with conversion copy, you know, because there's like sometimes numbers and statistics that back it up. If, if people are clicking the button and buying the thing and you've made improvements on the previous number of people who are clicking the button or buying the thing or engaging with the copy, then it was good copy. So I needed kind of that validation, <laughs> the, the metric side of things for me to know if uh, the things that I was, the things that I were writing were being effective for my clients. That's so valuable because we as creators get so stuck in the Instagram vortex of how many views have I had on this reel? And do, I think don't pay enough attention to 
okay, but how many people are landing on your website or mm-hmm. on your sales page and like clicking on it or, and, and buying versus landing on it and just going away, which mm-hmm. I imagine is a huge piece of it. Yeah. Well, with that, I kind of started moving into, that's the part that made me move into the strategy because I wanted to help people connect those dots. I didn't want to just plunk down copy and be like, best wishes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) see you later. So um, I started helping people with that because they would say things like that. Like I have all these followers or I have this many people on my email list, but why am I not getting the sales? So we would have to dive in and look at their open rates, their engagement rates, their click rates, their you know, all of that. And that's how you find where the disconnect is as to why your audience isn't equaling sales. Um, It's part metrics. It's part kind of anecdotal information as far as like what you're putting out there, your energy level and what you want to do, how often you're reaching out to people. So there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And that was a big fun thing for me when I started doing that was kind of helping people solve where the disconnects were in their business. And that's where I kind of rebounded back into the strategy side of marketing, because it's hard to see people that have all of the components of a successful business. They're just not put together in the right way, or they're just not arranged in a way that, like I said, connecting the dots, that's really the best way of putting it or putting pieces of a puzzle together. Like you have all the ingredients, but you don't have the recipe or, you know, you don't have that last piece that it takes to make it all work for you. Yeah. Interesting. So can you give us kind of like a high level idea? Because let's say someone comes to you, they have these pieces or they have most of the pieces. But so Mm -hmm. what's the first step in terms of seeing why things aren't working or seeing the first thing that they should do? Yeah. So I have a couple of different ways that I work with people on this. If people are still fairly new in their business, sometimes we don't have enough information on the metric side, on the data side to track anything to find that. So for those people, I generally say, what's your biggest challenge in your business right now? And we take it from there and it's more... Um, based on what they're doing and their actions versus what their metrics are showing. Now, once people hit a certain level in their business where they have a few different offers, they're hitting consistent income monthly, then I start by looking at the data and I pull all their information. Um, We don't look at anything in a silo. I don't just look at their website to find out why they're not making sales. I don't just look at their sales page. I look at all of their data on the back end of their website. I look at their email. Um, We look at their offers, uh, their whole kind of funnel, like what, where they're getting traffic from, how they're building their list, what's working for them and what's not working for them. So we start there and then we start to see where things are disconnected. Like if you have a webinar and a thousand people come, but only one person buys your product or only two people buy your product you know, where, where's the call to action landing with them? There's some kind of disconnect between they're interested in what you have to say, they're showing up for you, but then they're not closing the loop. And a lot of times people go straight to price. Oh, I got to lower the price. It's too expensive. I hear that almost every time when someone Mm -hmm. comes to me and says their offer isn't working. Their first reaction is I think I have it priced too high. And I'm always like, Whoa, pump the brakes. Like that's a possibility 
But let's look at all these other factors first. And sometimes, most oftentimes, actually, it's really not the price. It has to do with the positioning, um, maybe the values, the value that is justifying the price isn't being expressed correctly. Um, so I hope that everyone heard, heard what you just said, that <laughs> a lot of, that the, the, the go-to kind of jerk reaction is, oh, well, it must be too expensive or, oh, it must be the price. And, and oftentimes it's not, it can mm-hmm. be, but oftentimes it's not. Yeah. Most of the time, the number one thing I see, and there's a lot of different things. So it's not always this, but this is usually a component at some point is simply lack of traffic, like lack of eyes on your page or getting into your emails. So um, I've had people put up a sales page and post about it one time on Instagram and then be disappointed when nobody buys. And then they are like, well, maybe I priced it too high. And I'm like, well, let's go back in and see how many people landed on the sales page and see if we need to do some kind of like heat map research or Mm. where we're losing them on the sales page. But then I find that maybe only 10 people have even landed on the sales page. And that shows me that there's a lack of traffic. Not enough people are seeing it. A lot of people have to see your stuff in order to get a conversion. And that's a lot of times because you're pulling in people from a lot of different places and they might not all be qualified for the product. So it's not a reflection that your product isn't the right thing priced in the right way. It could be that you're drawing in the wrong audience. And so we do a lot of playing around with where you're getting people from and um, really like deep diving into these different areas to find out where that disconnect is and come up with a plan to how to fix that. It sounds like a very holistic approach. It is a holistic approach. And this year I actually took it another level deeper. I've been doing the same thing for years with people. And this year, I think people are just still recovering from so much burnout and they're approaching their businesses differently after the pandemic. So what I started doing is asking people, what do you want to do? How do you want to market in your business? Like, So many times we easily follow these trends or these gurus or everyone's on the course bandwagon. Everyone needs to make a course or then it's a membership. We, we kind of get into these loops and these trends that are across the board with online entrepreneurs. And, um, we get stuck in that and we think, Oh, if if I'm going to keep up, I have to do this next thing. And I started asking my clients to pull back and be like, what can you do in your marketing that feels good for you and preserves your creative energy? Because if you're just marketing for the sake of marketing and for the sake of sales, and you're not coming at it from a, this is what I enjoy doing, then you're going to get burned out every time. So marketing should be fun. It should actually feel fun and good for you to go out and tell people about what you, the solutions that you have for them and how you can help them solve the things that you do. So when I started doing that, I was like, this is kind of like a revelation for people. They were able to work their marketing plan more intentionally and kind of turn their cheek to some of the trends that would pop up and say, I might get there, but I'm going to visit that with like, through the lens of being very intentional and Do I even want to do that? Do I have to have a podcast like everyone does? Do I have to write a blog every week? I have so many people who are like, I just don't want to blog every week. And I'm like, (laughs) then don't blog every week. Like, let's figure out 
what you can do. You know, you can have three epic pieces of content that are extremely provocative and cover a lot of ground that you refer to over and over again. And you, or you could do video. Some people love to do video. Others hate to do video. Do what it is that makes you happy and excited because if it's not, marketing is already a challenge for so many people. Like let's not make it harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, I wanted to tell you about one of the ways that I've worked on to add a little more ease into your day-to-day in terms of your business day-to-day and your operations because I know you've spent so much time developing your expertise, your content, your brand, and you're not about to risk it all. And I don't want you worrying about things like, what if my client wants to cancel halfway through my program? What if one of my students rips off my course content? What if my VA is reckless with my passwords? And that's why I created the Legal Apothecary Library, which is a contract template library specifically for soul-driven coaches and healers. So if you're interested in getting all of the contracts you need to protect and start a business like that, head to the link in the show notes. And let me know if you have any questions. At some point this year, I started reading these articles about how the tech world was starting to adopt these same philosophies because in the tech world, you know, apps and platforms, they've always been so singularly focused on the end user experience and the customer experience because that's how they get their funding, right? It's Mm. the same thing for us. We're so focused on our products and our offers and um, who's buying and what they're buying because we need the revenue to continue operating a successful business. But when all we do is focus on that and we don't focus on the other parts of our business, like the systems that support us and our own energy and strengths and skills and abilities, that leads to burnout. And in the tech world, people are getting highly burned out because they were working so much trying to get, you know, things coded and things like that. And they didn't ever take time to build systems to support that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you leveled up in your business and taken a look around and been like, I don't have the right email service provider. I don't have, I'm, I'm hosting my classes on a platform that isn't the right fit for me. I dove in, I got started, which is fine. But then I didn't take the time to assess the situation and find out if that platform or app or whatever systems you have are best serving you. And is I'm an advocate for like quick and dirty solutions, like get it out there, get it, get your idea out there, get it vetted, start selling it. But I'm also an advocate for at some point you need to assess whether what you've been doing up until now is going to continue to serve you as you move into the next level. And that goes for your energy too, because a lot of people in those early days of their business are in hustle mode, but you can't be in hustle mode the entirety of the time you own your business. <laughs> That's not what any of us got into business for. No, so you don't want to be handling, you know, emergencies from your brother's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like, but without having that aha moment and going through some of that, I may not arrive to a place where I could mm-hmm. then be um, building a business that was more sustainable and supportive to me. Because at the time I was thinking the only way for me to do that was to be that jack of all trades and to be on call all the time. Um, so I borrowed the term total experience from the tech world because that's where 
a lot of the tech companies are moving. They're moving towards, okay, we're going to weigh our user and end customer experience in the same way that we weigh our employee experience and how we support the leadership team and what systems and scaffolding do we have in place to keep this moving forward instead of always having glitches and breakdowns. And, you know, we see this a lot in our platforms where something launches and everyone's excited and everyone's on board. And then all of a sudden things start crashing and, you know, things aren't working and it's fine that that happens. But the reason that's happening isn't because they had a great idea and moved forward with it. It's because they pushed people beyond, they pushed their people and their systems and their structures beyond what they were able to, you know, hold and now they don't have the ability to catch up with some of that. It's very common in the tech space. And I was like, this is common in entrepreneurship. Like, oh, yes. this is how we operate. So it's hitting a point where you can say, okay, I'm ready to weigh my, um, you know, energy level when it comes to marketing and what I want to do with that on the same level that I weigh my customer experience and the solutions that I'm providing to people. These things are all equal because that's the ecosystem that is going to support that sustainability. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's been something I've been working on with my clients to really focus on what they like to do marketing wise and their energy and creating an intentional plan and action steps. And they're all like, it feels like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders because I know they don't have to do everything or I can kind of tune out the noise of this is how you do reels and you have to do this many a day and you have to also get on TikTok and you also have to yes. do, you know, um, you know, people will say you don't have to do the dancing and the pointing and stuff, but then you'll see the next post say the best way to go viral is to use the music and the sounds that are already popular. <laughs> and so like, what do I do? Where do I go? And so yes. if you're able to focus on what you like doing the most, it's, and you know that you're working in your zone of genius and you're seeing pro like, um, you're seeing progress doing it your way. It's easier to kind of turn the cheek to the things that are trendy and popping up. Yeah. And it's important to pay attention where you're getting your information to, because a lot of times the people who are telling you the best way to make sustainable income with a course is selling you a course on how to make that course. <laughs> and the yeah. same thing with the membership. When people are like, oh, you need to have a membership. It's the wave of the future. It's what everybody wants. Buy my course on how to make a membership or get into my membership on membership. So those things are all viable ways to you know, generate revenue. But what is the best fit for you and your business and what your audience wants from you? Right. Maybe, maybe the thought of having a membership really excites you and it sounds like mm -hmm. something you want to focus on. Great. But you shouldn't just start a membership or a podcast or get on TikTok just because you feel this like, ooh, like clinching, like pressure. Like I need to be doing these things because other people are doing these things and I'll be behind mm -hmm. or I'll be suffering if I don't do these things. Yeah. FOMO is real. So <laughs> yeah. it does feel, especially when, you know, people that you know and trust in your peers or your leaders in your industry are doing those things and you're seeing them grow and you're seeing them have success. It feels like you need to be doing those things too. And it's worked so much better if you find the thing that you can do consistently that you actually enjoy doing. Mm. And it, it flows easier. It doesn't feel like you're, you know, 
oh I have to record three reels today <laughs> like it shouldn't feel like that right right yeah it should feel easy and maybe not easy but but it shouldn't feel tense or like a I mm -hmm. have to do this thing right I like to use the term aligned it should feel mm, aligned yes. So sometimes when we're in alignment, it does feel easy. Sometimes it's still a struggle, but it's okay to get through the struggle because you know that you're working in alignment. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Um, I totally align with alignment. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I was going to ask, you know, what's, what's the first, what's one easy thing that someone could do after listening to this? And it sounds like it could be either figuring out what's the most challenging thing in their business or, or maybe figuring out what, what feels aligned or, or I, I would love to know your thoughts on what someone could walk away and do after, after hearing. I think it starts with the challenge, the biggest challenge, because that's the one question I ask everyone. The way we approach the solution is different based on where they're, where they are in their current business, but it's the one thing. So what feels the most difficult or challenging for you in your business right now, like across the board? Um, you know, and that can be like, I have too much client work where I can't do anything else. That could be, um, I feel like it's Groundhog Day. And every time a client is interested in me, I have to like fumble through getting like them a contract. It takes so long for me to send a contract and an invoice and all that. So all of these things, let us know or let you know what your biggest challenge is answers the question of where do you need to focus your energy in your spare time or where do you need to find a way to carve out time to focus specifically on solving that problem because that's the other thing is we might say this is my challenge my challenge is I need an automated onboarding process because I'm spending too much time doing that then find a, a way to carve out time on a Friday afternoon or a whole day and commit to getting your onboarding process set up, right? And then put it into place and put it into action and then see what your next challenge is. And that is how we continue to move forward. But sometimes people even have trouble articulating what the challenge is. And, and I help them with that. I'm like, hey, psh, let's get on a call and you just start telling me like what feels hard and we'll yeah. nail down specifically what that is and how we can fix how you can fix it for yourself so really asking yourself that what is my biggest challenge what is it going to take to fix that to make it better and then how long is that going to take because some things can't be solved in a Friday afternoon yeah uh, some things you have to start you know laying the groundwork and putting into place over time um for instance, if you're like, I really feel disconnected from my audience, I need to do better at collecting voice of customer data. That's not a Friday afternoon activity. Mm -hmm. That's a, let me start tuning into the comments on my social media, how people interact with me. Let me set up a spreadsheet or a Google doc to start taking down what people say to me verbatim so that I have that information when it comes time for me to eventually write a sales page or hire someone to write a sales page. You know, that's something that's going to take time, but make the commitment to do that if that's the thing that's missing in your business. And that right there is where you can really tell the marketing strategy weaving in with the copywriting is <laughs> kind of pinpointing the challenge. And then, you know, when you said saving your customer, you copy and pasting your customers words, that's, that's so smart. Yeah, that is something we do in copy. 
Uh, and some people have a really good ability to listen to their audience without having to do that. I have clients who've never collected voice of customer data, but can very distinctly tell me exactly what their customers think and say all of the time. And I think that that's just one of those strengths that some people have to be able to do that. I don't have that. I have the strength of let me collect all of the information and review it. <laughs> I, I need to have like a document or like a brain dump space to put that and then look at it all together at once. So play to your strengths. If you know that you struggle with something, figure out a system and Google it. I mean, there's a lot of people out there sharing free information to help you build your business. Mm -hmm. Google whatever your biggest problem is or that you're struggling with and see what's out there that are articles or resources that you can use to help you. Yep, for sure. Macy, thank you so much for being here. This was so, so valuable. Thanks for this conversation. Yeah, it's fun. Tell us, uh, tell us where people can find you on online. Yeah. So my website is macywestcott.com and I am Macy Westcott across all social platforms. Uh, so if you Google that or start typing it into your search function, it'll come up because M-A-C-I is how I spell my first name. And there are a lot of Macy's out there <laughs> I've found. So, um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm starting up on TikTok a little bit, but a lot of that is sharing what I already have on Instagram reels and stuff. It's just reaching a different audience. So in my website, you can join my list through my website too, if you like. Great. And we'll link to that, uh, in the show notes here. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. This was so much fun. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Macy as much as I enjoyed having it with her. And if you loved learning something from this podcast episode, I hope you'll leave a rating. Just hit that five star. It helps so much. And share it on social media. Tag me at HeySoMaria or tag Macy herself. I've dropped her the link to her Instagram profile in the show notes. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.